0: I remember a time when I was working for a major company and I had to help with process improvements at the manufacturing floor. And when I saw such amazing talent producing the product, but there was no formal training program for the tasks at hand, I was totally taken aback. So I had the opportunity to communicate to leadership that we definitely needed a robust training program with the infrastructure, the people, the process, and the tools. And when I shared with the leadership that 80% of our workforce is closest to our customers, yet we don't provide them the tools they need for success. And with that, they were convinced. And we put forth a learning and development program to address all of our frontline workers that are close to our customer. And so there was purpose. There was an outcome. There was a what were we trying to accomplish here? But my conversation with Christopher Lynn brings forward what he sees as a big problem for a lot of organizations when it comes to constructing learning and development to support their people, it lacks purpose. It lacks the outcome we're trying to achieve, and he is trying to solve that major issue. Let's listen to this amazing conversation with Christopher Lind.
1: I think a lot of times we haven't always unpacked the why, the what are we trying to achieve out of this. And so a lot of times in the way we're developing workforces or developing our people, it's we need them to do this. Right, But to what end? Like, What are we trying to accomplish through that? And so one, if you don't have that answer, first of all, you've just killed any motivation because it's like, well, this just feels like an activity for the sake of an activity. But two, it really makes it difficult to pin down what is the best way to do that then? Because if ultimately this is really laser focused what we're trying to get done, well, then you can trim out the fat. And what happens is when you don't do that, you end up with franken learning it's like well maybe we throw a little bit of this in there throw a little bit of that and let's also add this and pretty soon you got this bloated waste of time that it's like what were we even trying to get to well we figure if we just pack enough in here people will take what they need and the reality is people won't we aren't wired that way
2: welcome to the drop-in ceo podcast I'm Deb Coviello, and as the drop-in CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, Join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb kobe
0: founder of the Drop-In CEO brand, and I am so grateful you've joined us for another episode of the podcast. I am blessed with amazing people that I get to speak to week after week. I learn from them, but we share their insights and perhaps their inspiration with you. And if you like this episode, please tell others, rate, review, so we can continue to bring great programming. And please know, I sincerely care about you out there. We support the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate challenges with confidence. And so it is my pleasure, my pleasure to bring on the show, Christopher Lind, who, brief and to the point, he is a global leader in learning and HR tech. He is the founder of of Learning Sharks. We're going to go there. Host of Learning Tech Talks. We're going to go there as well. And the Chief Learning Officer at Chen Med, a devoted husband, father of six, with a seventh one on the way, all under 11. Oh my, how do we do it all? But we'll get into that. It is my pleasure to invite you onto the show.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to to sitting and chatting.
0: Yeah, my pleasure as well, and we have already had an amazing conversation, but before we go there, quick shout out to Meredith Bell, an amazing connector. She's been on my show. She has introduced me to amazing people such as Christopher, but for my listeners, oh my, you know me, I am a big proponent of learning and development, helping the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow, and he is just amazing with alternative thought on how it should be doing versus what it has been done in the past. So without further ado, Christopher, your story, you have the floor. Tell us about yourself personally and the work you're doing now.
1: All right. Well, a little bit of backstory, like you said in the intro. So I have a whole bunch of kids. And so when people ask me, like, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm a I'm a husband and a dad first. And then I've got all the other stuff, which which is a lot. But kind of my background, I was a tech head early on. And so everybody thought I was going to be Kind of like a, a tech CEO, something like that, and I discovered I didn't really care for coding. It was easy, but it wasn't challenging for me. And I discovered that what was more interesting, I was frustrated with the way we educate and develop people. I was always that frustrated student, always that person that went like, "Why are we going through all this? And there's a better way to do this." But then I really got hooked into, "Whoa, technology is changing all the rules of what was possible. So a lot of these things we've done because we're like, well, that's all we can do. And then I started digging into it going, no, well, no, it's not. No, it's not. Actually, that rule is gone. Like we're still operating off this rule. And so my whole career has been that I've, I've been developing people and just larger and larger organizations. I was previously at GE, ran learning and tech. And then I came over to ChenMed as their chief learning officer. So it's been it's been a wild ride, not one I expected, for sure.
0: So, okay, so you're this person like, no, no, it has to be this way, or no, we got to stop doing that. You sound a lot like a disruptor, a naysayer, a person going in the opposite direction. I mean, has anybody stopped you in your tracks and say, no, no, that's not the way we do stop? Or what is it about you that
1: just say, fine, I'm just going to keep going in this direction? You know, I won't pretend that I've always. I, interestingly, I actually post about this on LinkedIn today because if you look at it, quietly and compliantly following orders is just, it's never been my thing. You could ask my parents this. I, I just was always the, well, I need to understand why. Why is that a rule? And it wasn't really trying to be rude or trying to just, you know, question authority. It just was really. Do we know that? How do we know that that's the way it has to be? Who said that? Like, isn't there a different way we could think about it? Just always deconstructing and reconstructing things. So, as you can imagine, and probably a lot of your listeners can, sometimes that's not always taken with the intent in which it's delivered. And so, yeah, there have been plenty of times I've gotten, I've gotten kicked in the teeth and, you know, taken some beatings over it. But for me, it's just been like, my point isn't to try and undermine. It's to try and figure it out. And so a lot of times I just find myself either repositioning because it's, I think you're misunderstanding what I'm doing. I'm not trying to fight you. I'm trying to understand how to solve your problem. Or I've just had to say, well, this isn't the right opportunity right now. So I'm going to pivot and focus a different way or redirect.
0: You know, there's something so much that resonates what you said. I always, I mean, I could go in a couple of different directions. Children innately are curious. And they always ask why, 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 and parents get impatient, but do the best they can to explain the world. And then we enter the education system and we ask why if we don't understand. And I will remember, oh, I think it was a junior in high school. I didn't understand the math. I kept asking why, asking questions about how to do the arithmetic. And I would have students in the room say, Deb, be quiet. Deb, be quiet. Go ask, them, ask them after class. And yes, I would see the teacher after class, but again, the system sometimes squelch the questioning, comply. This is the way it's done. And I think sometimes, and maybe things have changed and they are sure there's pockets of excellence, but sometimes going through the educational system will squelch the why, the curiosity, the questioning to become a conformist. I think I'm getting on a soapbox here. And I sincerely believe in what you're saying. There are different ways to do things also learning and educating.
1: Well, and I think some of it too, just comes back to this idea that a lot of times it's respecting, there probably might've been an original reason why something was that way. But when you look at how much things are changing and how fast things are changing, there are legitimate times where it goes, that made sense for the moment in which it happened. However, things have dramatically changed since then. So let's revisit that. And, And maybe the answer still is, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense based on this. And the trade-off is it still makes sense to do it. Okay. But at least then we've explored it. And, and then we can say, you know what, we have an answer for we're trying to achieve this. This isn't the best way to achieve it. We thought it through. We move on.
0: You know, compliance would be so much easier if we took the time to explain to people the why, to question the status quo, get people to think, oh, now I understand. Compliance would be so much easier if people we entertained and supported the curious person to seek to understand why things are the way they are. But I want to showcase a little bit what you do. So you were in the area of learning development. You have firm beliefs on how it should be done differently. But I'm curious, what is it that you see has been broken? And what are you trying to change?
1: Yeah, you know, there's, oh boy, I, we could probably talk about this for the rest of the day if we needed to, you know, but I think really there's, there's one we just hit on. Which I think a lot of times we haven't always unpacked the the why, the what are we trying to achieve out of this. And so a lot of times in education or even just a lot of times we think of education, but even just in the way we're developing workforces or developing our people, it's it's well, we need them to do this, right but but to what end? like what are we trying to accomplish through that? And so one, if you don't have that answer, first of all, you've just killed any motivation because it's like, well, this just feels like an activity for the sake of an activity. But two, it really makes it difficult to pin down. Well, what is the best way to do that then? Because if ultimately this is really laser focused, what we're trying to get done, well, then you can trim out the fat. And what happens is when you don't do that, you end up with Franken learning. It's like, well, maybe throw a little bit of this in there and throw a little bit of that. And let's also add this. And pretty soon you got this bloated waste of time that it's like, what were we even trying to get to? Well, we figure if we just pack enough in here, people will take what they need. And the reality is people won't. I mean, we just, we aren't wired that way. So I think that's one of the biggest things. I think the other big one, and it kind of ties to this, is a lot of times when you look at development, we're only focused on the education side of it. The actual, you know, mental cognitive side of knowledge. Well, do they know it? Which, that is an important piece. And I think sometimes if people follow me, they go, well, do you not care about that? No, I, I care deeply about that. But ultimately, if knowledge doesn't translate into skill, then what really are we doing? I mean, that's great if you can watch 30 TED Talks and go, I, I know how to give a great TED Talk. But if you get on stage and can't get the first sentence out, what's it really doing for you? That, that, that knowledge isn't translating.
0: So this really, really resonates with me. It's one of those things, I will tell you, I once had a bad performance review and they qualified a couple of things that I did not do as well. I may not have had good decision logic or prioritization. So I went online, I took their course, I told my boss, hey, I learned this, I took this away. Okay, great. And then crickets. There was nothing there to reinforce or ask questions about how did you apply that learning? I'm also working with a client right now. They've got great training. They've got the job descriptions, the, the instructions on how to do the tactical work. I said, but there's something missing there. I said, you can technically do the work, but if you're missing core competencies in order to be able to be effective, like communicate with the customer, do troubleshooting, articulating messages. I mean, in the lean world, we have these skills matrices, identify the individual components and then coach and mentor after the initial experience such that competency Can be achieved. That is what I've been seeing. That's really missing. I don't know if that's what you're seeing as well.
1: Very much so. I think the so. What does good look like? Because it's one thing to say we want this. Okay, that's a wide net. I mean, what does that actually look like? And what is good? What is bad? So even your example of communications, we want communication skills, right? And and what does good communication skills? It's impossible to develop someone towards good. If you haven't laid down, well, and good looks like this, and that might be different for every organization.
0: So I'm curious that you are disrupting a little bit, though it's a shared philosophy, but you're also doing something about this. I'm curious about some of your work and the impact. So what maybe have you, as an example, vanilla example, of what you have changed in terms of a curriculum or a competency and what's been the impact on individuals and organizations because we approached training, learning, and development in a way that you see is better?
1: I'll give you a really quick one. We'll see. You, you cut me off if it doesn't get to be too quick. But <laughs> there, there was an example where I was working with a big healthcare company, and they had a lot of healthcare products. And so at the C-suite, it was, we need more product knowledge. Right, We're constantly innovating these products. We need our sales teams and even our operations teams to know these products. And so I dug deeper beneath that because I said, well, yes, I'm not arguing with that. And to what end? What's breaking right now because there's a lack of what you believe to be product knowledge? This was one of those that was met with like, why are you asking this? We, we know it's product knowledge. And I said, I hear you. Where? Where is that breaking down? Help me understand what happened. And we were able to get really surgical with this. And what it turned out was there was a 10-minute window in a conversation with a physician that was making or breaking a deal. And it was tied to four key behaviors. And those four behaviors in those 10 minutes made or broke multi-million dollar deals. And so what we were able to do with that is we were able to say, okay, look, yes, there is a knowledge component. So let's not deny that. But that's actually working pretty well. I mean, we're, we're able to translate from marketing this and there's resources available. Could we tweak? Yes. But what we don't have is how can we replicate that 10-minute window and scale it so that people can practice having that conversation and failing and getting feedback on that critical moment, we know makes or breaks this thing. And so we were able to actually create an environment where people could practice that conversation, get feedback in real time. It took almost no time because it really was the 10 minutes, maybe 15. So we weren't asking people to come to an all-day workshop or, or do you know, endless lists of learning. It was purely just, hey, Come in, practice this because we know exactly what good and bad looks like. Here are the key things that you need to work on. And people got feedback and they realized, oh, I'm not doing well here. They just grew. And we actually saw it in the numbers. We saw deals close. We saw life cycles shorten. It was an impactful. And that's just an example of kind of the line of thought that we drive through that. And then we use technology to scale and accelerate it on a global level.
0: Oh, what a story. And, you know, I could go in a couple different directions here. One of the things I wanted to share, I mean, I had an experience. I was an up-and-coming quality engineer. I was in a room. We were discussing a strategic hire with my boss and some corporate people. And in the moment, I said something that wasn't taken well. It was maybe the truth that I was speaking, but I didn't know how and when to harness the statement. And I was chastised afterwards for staying it in the way I said it. But then there was no coaching. There was no coaching to say, if you have a dissenting view, there are ways we can approach this such that it's managed. We can talk about it in the background. Maybe we can do a dry run to see how to address it, shop it around with people, and then go in and provide the alternate thought and perhaps with a rationale. We don't teach that. We just chastise the people. So that, okay, that's just my story. And so that's why I too, you need to coach the right behaviors. But my curiosity is maybe doesn't it have to start to change at the top again? You have the good fortune for working. With an amazing company that truly gets it and sees the value in it. If a company or a business owner is listening to that, and yes, you have a compliance component, we need to do safety training. We need to do code of conduct training. And then there are skills training and we can check the box on that and think that we're good until something bad happens. So what can we do in the mindset of the leader? What can they ask themselves? What, what questions would you ask them to think about to say oh, it's nothing's happened bad yet? I've got a functioning workforce. But what can we have them think about now to say, maybe I need to invest in more than just training, but learning, investing in the people?
1: You know, it's, it's an interesting question because, like you said, a lot of times there's not this realization of what's possible until something goes wrong. You know, and, and there is a bit of a mentality. Of, and It's a phrase we use all the time. If it ain't broke, don't fix it and that mentality can very much creep in where it's like, uh, why would I why would I want to change? It seems to be working fine." But I think it's one of those things where, you know, I've spent my whole career investing in people and one of the things that just continues to impress me is the fact that the dividend return on that investment, it's always 10 I mean 1000-fold on this. So, you know, I think it's one of the things one of the questions i ask a lot when i when i talk to folks and work with them is like maybe it's fine but what would it look like if it could be dream state and i'm not saying we're going to get to dream state but i don't think we do that enough sometimes to go what could it look like but don't not it's it's here today what could it look like and when you actually take the time to start doing that you do actually start to see and maybe it frames it differently because it's no longer like a negative gap. Like, oh, it's a gap. It's, well, here's an opportunity. Oh, here's an opportunity. And when you actually start looking at that, you start seeing, you know what? There's actual opportunities. Now, how do we bridge the gap across those? And, and that's then where the people come in because, you go, well, well, first of all, well, now you've identified where you want to go. It's a lot easier to start mapping. What do you need people do to get there? then the investment in people isn't like, yeah, I got to spend X dollars per year on people. Well, that's a terrible, I mean, I'm a learning person, and that doesn't get me excited. Like I'd be like, no, that's not a good equation. But you start thinking about well, we, what if we could do this? And what if we could do that? And what if we could do that? Okay, well, now I'm willing to invest if I know that I can actually get there.
0: So it's all about a mindset shift. It's about possibilities, opening your mind versus just Surviving another day, and we can check the box if we've got that under control. But you are a prolific creator, you are far reaching beyond just the work you're doing for an amazing organization. But you also do learning tech talks, you have learning sharks. Tell us a little bit more about that because you are a content creator. And and what is the impact of this work that you're also doing on top of the six plus one kids on the way?
1: You know, the whole thing started because, you know, I'd been doing this work for organizations internally. I was, I, I, and I swore I would never do anything outside. I'm like, well, I'm just going to work you know, with an organization and do as much transformation as I can. But as, as I continued growing in this, people in the industry started asking me a lot of questions. They were like, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And I'm always looking for greater efficiency. I'm, I'm an operator by trade. So I think like an operator. I'm like, I really want to help all these people, but I can't just keep doing all this one-off stuff. And so that's how it really started was, one, I needed to reach more people because I was doing this all one-off. And then two, I was looking at, I did the same exercise I just said people should do and say, what could the future look like? I said, that's what it could look like. And this is how technology can help. But how's that going to happen if somebody's not out there pushing for that? Because like in many things, most people are like, it's good enough. Learning's the same thing. I mean, why break? why change it? It's good enough. People are are developing. And I said, that's not good enough. And I see where it needs to go. And rather than sit back and hope that someone else sees it eventually and tries to push it, I'm like, no, then I'm going to do it. And I'm going to broadcast the message to hopefully inspire, help other people change their mindsets and create enough of a wave that it actually changes the industry as a whole.
0: So that's why you and I are speaking today. I was also tired of just chasing. to be on other people's podcasts and trying to get my voice out there. And I said, I'm going to do it myself on my own terms. And I get the great opportunity of one being inspired and learning from others and getting people into my network. And hopefully the web is wonderful and connecting others with you as well. So yeah, the thing that I take away from this is individuals listening to this, you all have unique thoughts and ideas, but sometimes we keep them to ourselves. It's not favored in the environment that you have. But if you just have a philosophy, something you want to write, leverage whatever platform. LinkedIn is a great place. Just put a thought out there. Just put an article out there. See if it resonates with a few people. And over time, trust yourself. You are going to develop your own uniques and perspectives on the world and what should be done. And ultimately, you may go in a different direction than following the rest of the crowd. But you, you also are relentless. You, again, Want to change the world? I understand that you have a manuscript in the works. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I was debating: do I do, go do another degree? I didn't know if I wanted <laughs> to do a PhD or an MBA, and and you know, then we have kids and all this stuff. And so I, somebody had said, yeah, you should write a book. And I, nah, it wasn't really for me. But then I just kept getting asked, how do you operate the way you operate? Like, is there an instruction manual? And I'm like. No, but there is a way of thinking and a way of operating and a way of seeing the world that I think has influenced what drives me. And so I swore I'd never write a book. And then literally in the middle of the night, last September, I woke up and I went, wait a minute, I know the title and I know what I have to write. And so I got up, wrote down some notes, and then spent the last six months writing a book. And so now I have a manuscript that I'm in the process of getting published here soon on relentless intention, which really is the word I use to describe what drives me.
0: And I would ask people to also think about themselves, relentless intention. Sometimes, again, the environment that you're in, you have a unique way or thinking of doing something and it's squelched. But I think that sometimes we may be on to something and be ahead of the times or the game and people just are not ready to adopt the new ways of thinking. So I encourage anybody, even if you're not in a position to pursue maybe going out on your own or a different career or what have you, start writing these notes down because someday you're going to kick yourself because you forgot to write them down. Just start getting them down. They may not make any sense. Put them up on your whiteboard. Just put the post-its up there. Just don't worry about it not making any sense. One day, the notes, the words, the pictures are going to speak to you and then you're going to realize what makes you different, what makes you special. And what do you need to lead and potentially move forward
1: with? And you might end up, I think the thing I found for myself is you might end up changing how you thought you were going to do it. So I think that was one of the biggest, just a quick example was I I always dreamed of flying and I defined, and that's where the intention was like, I want to fly, like I want to fly. And it was like, that's never, I mean, really jetpacks probably not going to come in your lifetime. You don't want to be a pilot type of a thing. But I ended up, getting into drones because I went, you know what, VR headsets and a drone, I can fly and I can fly now, but I had to redefine what does fly mean for me. And so when I really got to the intention of, well, I want to be able to fly, it was like, well, so then redefine how you do it. And I think that's one of the things I've learned too, is it may not go the way you thought, but if you get to that core, you'll figure it out.
0: Okay, so that was the inspirational moment for me because I know I want to change the world. C-suite leaders today and tomorrow, I am also doing a lot of podcasting. I am reaching out directly with individuals in the hopes that I may be able to serve them one by one or in total. And I have visions of what good or better looks like. But what I started out to do may actually change and I am okay with that. Let the world speak to you and say, there may be a different way to have the impact that we want to have. So let me ask one more question because a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast are individuals. They're not heads of organizations, learning, and development. They feel the pain. They've not received appropriate training. They get frustrated, lose their confidence. What can an individual do to start creating that learning experience such that they can be accountable for their own development and eventually be hopefully in an environment that appreciates it? What can an individual do now to live in what you you talk about?
1: One thing that I think is incredible about where technology is going is that there's more opportunity now and ways to get access to things than you ever could before. I mean, even just education, you look at Coursera or edX, you can take Ivy League courses on anything you're interested in for free. So, you know, I tell people all the time, like, if you're trying to do something, reach out to me. I'll tell you like, hey, if you looked at this or this, or this might be a way you might be able to do it. You look at apps like Fiverr. You know, if you're trying to figure out how to start independent, you know, maybe you are good at graphic design. There's platforms where you can become independent without giving up your day job. It's one of these things where it's like really getting to that, what do you want to do? I think is one of the most important things because then you start connecting with people. And I'm super introverted, which when most people hear me, they're like, no way. And I'm like, I am so introverted. And that to me was one of those challenges where I went, you know what? My career is going to be limited. I'm probably not going to be able to do what I want to do. And then I was able to connect with people through LinkedIn and social media and I had to redefine it. And I think, but I knew what I wanted to do. And I think that anything you want to do, any access to resources anymore it's available. It's about figuring out where it is and who can get you there. But if you don't know where you're going, just like what we talked about with development, if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there.
0: Such amazing advice because sometimes we are just so caught up in the doing and acting and surviving and just getting the results. And so often individuals or leaders just don't stop and pause and just say, what am I doing? And why am I doing it? And I also talk about like in the first chapter of my book, The CEO's Compass, When I'm talking directly to the individual, the leader, the aspiring leader, I said, first ask why you want to lead. And to your point, why do you do what you do? And until you can answer that question, do not proceed with the rest of the book. Put the book down. I actually say that. Put the book down until you know why you lead or what you're doing. So sound advice, we need to just pause and just stop existing in this world, but really think about why and what we really want to do in that dream state, even for our individual lives.
1: Yep, And I grew, up, I grew up in a funeral home with two parents who were funeral directors, which shaped that because I think there's sometimes this tendency of, well, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it next week. I'll get to it next year. And I grew up faced regularly with the reality that that is not guaranteed. So don't wait for that opportunity when the time is right to try and nail that down because it may never come. So I got another question and it's good insight to live for today. You never know what will happen tomorrow.
0: Sad, but true. So you label yourself as an introvert. I've intentionally labeled myself, but you and I are going at it. We are having a conversation. We are putting it all out on the table. What is it that enables a person that may have introverted tendencies be as free and confident to be able to express and interact just like you're doing
1: now? So I'll, I'll speak to my journey, which has been I had to figure out how best i could get that out in a way that worked for me you know and i and i experimented with things and a lot of things failed i tried you know i tried doing what i was told i had to do oh go to social networking events and i hated it and i sat in the corner and i didn't talk to anybody oh you need to go do this and i and it didn't work well and and i tried and i failed and i went well what didn't work or what drained me or what didn't go well. And I was okay with that failure and going, but I'll I'll learn from it, but I'm not going to quit. And then I just kept experimenting until I finally found my voice. And what I found is over time, once you start building your voice, then it just begins to carry. And so I think it just grew the the more I did it.
0: I think that's sound advice. I think because I just, I just did a piece on LinkedIn live about People finding their value statement and being able to come forward with that until we are disciplined to just say, what value do I bring? What makes me different? How do I stand out? If we haven't taken that time and just say, nah, this is what I do. This is my title. It's boring. It's not impactful. We just need to spend a little time and just say, why am I doing what I'm doing? I just want people to struggle less and spend more time doing the things they enjoy with family, friends, and community. That's all I want to do. And so I do it through the work I do to make things better, faster, cheaper help people struggle less. So, wow, what an amazing conversation. You are passionate. I wish you continued luck with your learning tech talks, learning sharks, relentless intervention. Any last thoughts you want to share with people? And I also want people to know how to get a hold of you and connect with all of your resources as well as you. How best to do that?
1: You know, in terms of best way to to get in touch with me, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So, you know, that's people message me. I'm very responsive on that. All my contact info's out there. So that really is the best way people can kind of follow what I'm doing, can reach out, connect. There's my short answer.
0: <laughs> well, I am sincerely appreciative of all that you do and sharing your insights with my audience. I think what I my takeaway from this is just finding your voice, understanding why you do what you do. Question, question the status quo. What does better look like? What are the outcomes we're trying to achieve? And the work that you're doing in helping people rethink what learning is, not just training, is really, really impactful. So you have been an amazing guest, Christopher. I do wish you continued success. And thank you so much for being an amazing guest.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for having me.
2: Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow.